0: This is Cruise Radio.
1: Now more than ever, you should consider Trip Insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at TripInsurance.com.
0: Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida,
1: this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Celebration this week. Also, staff writer Richard Sims waiting in the wings for Cruise News, a new ship tour posted on the Cruise Radio. YouTube channel. If you go over to the YouTube, just type in Carnival Spirit Cruise Radio and you should see our tour right there. All right. On deck now is staff writer Richard Sims with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Royal Caribbean's new ship will have a whole lot of firsts.
0: So many firsts. I mean, we've already talked about some of the stuff coming up with, like you know, the new neighborhoods and the Aquadome, which I think the Aquadome is just going to be incredible. I I've never really been interested in these ginormous ships of Royal Caribbean. To be honest, it seems a little bit too big for me, but I'm really being drawn to this one. This this just has so many cool features. But some of the new stuff they've released is in my favorite category, and that is bars. Uh, They're going to have a place called Lou's Jazz and Blues. Say that three times real fast. Lou, L-O-U, Lou's Jazz and Blues, which will be in Central Park. And the idea of being able to sit in that very cool Central Park neighborhood and listen to some really good jazz music while sipping on cocktails. I mean, that's just really appealing. Uh, they're also going to have a Dueling Pianos venue that'll be right on the Royal Promenade. They'll have the coffee shop that's known as Ryan Bean, and that'll be in the Aquadome. So that's one of the daytime places in the Aquadome, because as you remember, Aquadome is going to be sort of multifunctional. At During the day, it'll be a place to go and hang out. And night, it'll turn into uh, the kind of venue where they can put on shows and do dance parties and all kinds of stuff. Uh, There's also going to be a champagne bar named Bubbles in Central Park. Uh, That will feature sort of like Bellinis and Bubbly and, you know, any kind of thing you can make with champagne. Bellinis and Fellinis and whatever else rhymes with that in there. So a lot of really good kind of relaxing venues. Remember, this ship is really being designed, I guess you could say that most cruise ships are designed to be family-friendly, but this one is sort of even taking that to a new level. They really, every area they're looking at, they're sort of trying to figure out how can we, keep multi-generational groups in mind so that like in the in each neighborhood there are things for everyone of any age to enjoy and you know that okay that probably doesn't include the bars because they're probably not really all that interested in whether or not kids have a good time at loose jazz and blues but every other area of the ship that is something they are really looking at so this this is shaping up to be a very 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 cool ship
1: yeah, that whimsical, uh, what do they call it, the Overlook Lounge, it reminds me a lot of Eden on that uh, the Edge-class ships.
0: I, that's how it feels like to me, too. And, of course, it's hard to tell until you actually see what the spaces turn turned into because changes happen as they're being developed. Mm-hmm. Every ship eventually has something completely original on it, or at least most ships. But you also start to see all of the lines borrow from each other and say, oh, that worked, wonder, what if we take that idea and twist it slightly? So, you know, you're seeing that as well. So this this overlook area could very much be them having looked at Celebrity, which is their sister line, and saying, okay, we did that on that ship, what can we do to tweak that and make it a good fit for Royal? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all looks out when it's done.
1: And some sad news out of Royal Caribbean...
0: Yeah, you know, when we sail on ships, we develop relationships with the crew in general, but we have a particular fondness for captains. Um, you know, maybe it dates all the way back to the love boat and Captain Stubing, but they're our protector. They're the person who is sailing us through these waters and getting us to safe shores. And sadly, Captain Ron Holmes, uh, uh, who has been with Royal Caribbean for almost three decades, passed away recently. The news was shared by his wife, Carol. He apparently uh, first joined Royal Caribbean aboard the Nordic Empress, which is a ship I've never even heard of. It's uh, That's how, how long ago it was. But he went on to serve on ships like Radiance of the Seas, Majesty of the Seas, Freedom of the Seas, Allure of the Seas, and and, and others. Um, we're told he loved to share his passion of the sea and had a soft spot. And I love this so much. He had a soft spot for giving tours of the bridge to kids from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. You can tell so much about a person by how they react in situations like that. And having kids on the bridge can be a really nerve-wracking thing for a captain. You know, kids are a little out of control sometimes, but... The the fact that this was one of the things he held most dear really says a lot to me. So, you know, I'm sure that many of the people who sailed on ships with him, whether as crew or as passengers, will be, you know, feeling the loss.
1: When this story came out, I was like, where do I know Captain Holmes from? It struck me that I was sailing on a lore of the seas six or seven years ago, and I had a chance to dine with him at 150 Central Park there on Allure. It struck me because most captains are Italian or from, you know, they're Norwegian or whatnot, but he was from Canada. So it was actually cool to to sit and talk with the captain for the entire dinner and perfectly, you know, good English, which is, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to understand when the captain's on the navigational bridge saying, from the navigational bridge, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it was cool.
0: Yeah, I have to admit I've had that same experience where, you know, they are imparting what I'm sure is very important information for – and you can always tell if it happens to be a captain with a really strong accent because usually as soon as the captain is done, the cruise director will come on and repeat what he just said, you know, mm-hmm. because they want to make sure that you really understood what was said. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you had that experience. I know how much you really enjoy getting to know some of the – you know, the captains and crew. So that must have been a very cool experience.
1: And Grand Turk has reopened to everyone. Obviously, the shutdown was the
0: biggest challenge ever faced by the cruise industry. But even once the ships began returning, there were other challenges they had to face, especially with regards to where ships were and weren't allowed to go because of various protocols put in place as a result of. COVID. Slowly but surely the world started opening up and more and more of the ports, which had closed their doors, uh, you know, began opening them again, first to vaccinated guests and eventually to everyone. Except Turks and Caicos. (laughs) They remained closed to unvaccinated guests. And as of the moment we're recording this, they still are. But on April 1st, that will change when they will finally become the last of the Caribbean destinations to permit unvaccinated guests to not only sail to their port, but come ashore. Up until now, you could get on a ship heading to Grand Turk if you were unvaccinated, and the ship allowed it, but you were not permitted to get off the ship and go ashore. Now, as of April 1st, um, Turks and Caicos will finally be lifting that. So hopefully, you know, we are, that's, that's one of the last hurdles that we have to get past as far as sailing in that part of the world is concerned where, where COVID, you know, kept us out for so long.
1: But you know what's interesting, Richard? I didn't realize this until I started researching this story. There's only 4,500 residents on Grand Turk. So like when a Carnival Excel class, like when Mardi Gras or Celebration rolls in there, it's basically doubling the island's population just from the ship itself.
0: Wow. That is really incredible.
1: And it also sort of helps to understand why they
0: might have stayed closed for so long, because that is a big, you know, that is a big part of your population, or that is a big number of people to be coming in and exposing to your population. So, you know, it's, it's been, I think we've seen this in all kinds of ports all around the world where there, you know, there was the initial hesitancy and slowly but surely things are going back to normal.
1: And I could be wrong here, but it seems like after looking at all the regulations and rules for all these Caribbean ports now, I think Grand Turk was the last, I'll say, major Caribbean cruise port to reopen.
0: Yeah, that's my understanding,
1: too. Yeah. OK. And a twofold Disney story here. So we're going to talk about a the new ship they acquired from Dream Cruises and also the new Bahamas destination.
0: Yeah, Disney Cruise Line just made a major commitment to the Asian market. Uh, they signed an agreement that will keep their brand new ship homeported in Singapore for a minimum of five years. Which ship? Well, it hasn't been named yet, but this is the ship they bought from. Uh, it was it was the Global Dream that they bought when Genting, the parent company, underwent bankruptcy. It seemed like a surprising move at the time on a few levels. For one thing, it was you know just it was a huge ship, but it was also it was it was already under construction for a different market. And in the past, we've seen situations where ships built for the Asian market have significant differences when compared to those constructed for, say, the U.S. market. Uh, For example, think about the Norwegian Joy. The Norwegian Joy was originally built for an Asian market, and when that market proved softer than they expected, Norwegian decided to, you know, kind of bring that ship over here and start doing Alaska cruises with the ship. But before they could, they had to do some pretty major renovations that cost quite a bit of money to sort of, you know, retrofit it for the American market as opposed to the Asian market. Well, in this case, it's sort of. By keeping a ship that was designed for the Asian market in Singapore, Disney gets to expand in that territory and do so with a ship that was specifically designed for that market. So it seems like a win win. You know, we don't know exactly how far along the ship was when uh, Disney swooped in and bought it. But if there's one thing that we've learned over the years, it's how important. The design process is, you know, ships are designed several years before their construction gets underway. So we know it had to have been fairly far along in the design and construction prospect. Now we know what they're going to do with it. They're going to put it in Singapore for five years minimum. And, you know, like I said, with it being built for that market, that seems like Uh, Perfect fit. The other news coming out of Disney is that they've announced there's several preview sailings that are just opening up for sale for trips to their new destination, Lighthouse Point. You can bet these are going to sell really, really fast. So if you're interested, you might want to jump on this ASAP. The first sailing is on June 6th. It's a three-night preview cruise on board the Disney Magic sailing out of Fort Lauderdale. And that one will set you back about $2,400 for two guests in an inside room. But I think the trip more people will be excited about is what's being called the inaugural sailing to Lighthouse Point. It's a seven-night sailing on the Disney Fantasy out of Port Canaveral, and it features two visits to the new private island, plus a visit to Castaway Cay. Now, I always wondered when they say two visits to something, like, what does that mean? Do they, like, you know, sail away, go in a circle and come back? In this case, what it means is the itinerary is going to be, uh, it'll stop at Lighthouse Point, then it'll go to Nassau. Then it'll go to Castaway K, then find that it'll come back to Lighthouse Point before it returns to Port Canaveral. This one is going to go for just under 9 k for two yeah. people in a veranda stateroom. For some reason, veranda is the only category that's showing up on the site right now. Um, I'm not sure if when they officially go on sale, which is like two days from now, other categories will open up. It was interesting. On the three-day preview sailing, you could see all of the categories, but on the... The uh, seven-night sailing, you right now can only see veranda. There's no suites, no uh, inside, nothing else. So uh, not sure exactly why that is yet. Again, it's that gives you an idea of what it's going to cost if it's 9 k for two people in a veranda. It's, it's going to be pricey, but if you're a fan of private islands and you want to get to this one and be one of the first people to explore it and get two different days to explore it, you know, might be worth ponying up the money.
1: You know, I miss those double dips because when the industry restarted and uh, like Ashley and I booked that Disney fantasy because they were doing, it was a four night cruise and they only did two stops at Castaway and that was just freaking awesome. You didn't have to go to Nassau or anything like that. It was just, you went one day, you left, had dinner, you circled around and came back the next day and it was just awesome. And Carnival was doing that too at the restart where, you know, and they were doing this obviously because of all the restrictions elsewhere but they were going to like half moon for two days in a row which was just totally awesome
0: right i would love that like i would love to get on an ncl ship and sail to uh their private island and then go out in the ocean and come back the next day yeah. i think that would be i also would really like you know some of the private islands now are getting into very fancy bungalows mm-hmm. and um, i would love uh, if you look at the newest area on norwegian's private island great stirrup key if you look at the the new area on that the bungalows over there have like they have two bedroom bungalows over there that are fully enclosed air conditioned i would love to spend the night there now one thing i have heard from people who you know have done nights not overnights but like late nights on private islands is that sometimes the bugs can get really mm-hmm. bad but heck put me in one of those bungalows close the door i'll be fine
1: yeah, I, I got a construction tour like in at the end of 2019 of that great stirrup. And some of them, like the spec ones were open, but a lot of them are still under construction. And I was just walking through there thinking, does Norwegian have plans to overnight here? Because these are like hotel rooms with full beds and refrigerators and kitchens and everything. It seems like it's a lot to offer just for uh, an eight-hour stop. And people do. People pay
0: good money. To go hang out over there just for the day while they're at the island. I mean, a lot of money. They're they're pricey.
1: And Norwegian is adding a new show aboard the upcoming Viva.
0: Yeah, over the past few years, Norwegian has become pretty well known for doing large-scale productions of Broadway shows on their newer ships. When Prima was introduced, it featured, and it still does feature, Summer, the Donna Summer musical, the next ship in the class is going to be the Norwegian Viva and when she comes out in August, she will feature the another direct from Broadway show Beetlejuice. I admit this surprised me on a few levels. One is that this is a really splashy show involving quite a bit of like techno wizardry which I, you know that is not an easy thing to do. A lot of the shows that NCL has done that they've brought from Broadway have been sort of simple shows. Like if you look at the Donna Summer musical, it's not that complicated a show to mount. You know, the staging is pretty simple. Or Six, which they've done on a couple of ships now. um, You know, that is basically six women standing on stage singing. I know that was one of your personal favorite shows. (laughs) So this show is kind of splashy, has lots of like, you know, at, at one point it has people like, you know, being levitated the air if you've seen the movie that it's based on starring michael keaton you know sort of a little bit what to expect So that kind of surprised me It just It also This is a very recent show It only closed on Broadway In January It would probably still be running Were it not for COVID COVID hit this show Really hard Because it opened right before And then it Was shut down for like a year uh, When Broadway shut down And then by the time You know It just lost so much money So quickly Um, But it got It got pretty good reviews And I think this could be A lot of fun Uh, I'm not I have not seen the show So I'm not 100% sure How family friendly it is but it does seem very much in keeping with the types of shows that Norwegian has been focused on. Uh, I, I was also a little surprised by this because we have heard so much about Norwegian cutting back on you know various aspects of their entertainment. So to hear that the new ship was going to have something big and splashy and no doubt expensive, even just if you look at the rights to mount the show, uh, it was it was it took me back a bit.
1: And last but not least, let's hit up Carnival Cruise Line. Two things here.
0: Yeah, Carnival. When the Carnival Venezia sets sails from Barcelona on her maiden voyage on May 29th, there will be two very, very special guests on board. One will be, as you might expect, the company's president, Christine Duffy. The other will be legendary chef Emeril Lagasse, who is also now Carnival Cruise Line's chief culinary officer. As you know, they um, formed a partnership with him a while back. He's had restaurants on several of their ships. I'm not sure yet whether he's actually going to have one on venezia or not um but this means that guests will have an opportunity to sign up for a special cooking class with emerald which i think would be a lot of fun and you know at some point everybody's going to be yelling bam as they put their uh, sauces or their uh, spices into whatever they're making it's going to be a four-fee thing that you can sign up for once you're on board but even though it's for, uh, even though they are charging for it, the money is going to a good cause. It goes to St. Jude. You know, Carnival raises a lot of money every year for St. Jude, so that is what they will be doing here: is having this special event with Emerald uh, that you can sign up for, and the money will go to St. Jude. The other thing we want to remind you about is while we are talking about Carnival, if you have a sailing booked please pay your gratuities immediately. Hopefully you're listening to this before April 1st because that's when they're going up. And not insignificantly, they're going up $1.50 per person, per stateroom, across the categories. Um, If you missed the opportunity to pay before they went up, let this sort of serve as a a, a teachable moment, I guess we would say, that it's always good to pay your gratuities as soon as you possibly can. And if you don't pay them, you know, right up front when you're booking – Make sure to keep sort of an ear to the ground, or should I say an ear to cruise radio, because we always try and make sure people know, You know, at least as, as soon as they announce it, we make a big deal about it, because we want people to be able to pay off those gratuities so that they are grandfathered in and don't have to pay the higher rate. I just went on yesterday, I have a sailing on Venezia booked for next year, and you know who knows how many times they'll go up between now and next year, since they didn't even wait a whole year um to raise them this time it was only 11 months so as soon as you get the opportunity pay those off so you don't get uh, stuck with a bigger bill and i think the last thing we have here is some special people that we need to send a shout out to
1: yep more bosses we have some executive producers who join the patreon curtis and angela steve darlene joe glenn patty and cynthia Welcome aboard. You can jump in on the fun if you so wish. Patreon.com slash Cruise Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip online claims assistance and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination but find out for yourself check out tripinsurance.com just back from a cruise let's talk about it
0: email doug at cruiseradio.net
1: tim and his wife just returned from a seven night eastern caribbean cruise on carnival celebration out of port miami and tim joins us on the line how you doing my friend Hello, Doug. Nice to see you. Yeah, talk good, to, you, good, good to talk to you again. Absolutely. And uh, you're up in Fargo, North Dakota, and you had to make your way down to Port Miami. Is the weather still a factor this time of year up in Fargo? Uh, it can be.
2: Uh, luckily, we got out of here with no no problems or anything. But, you know, you never know when a blizzard or something's going to come in here and, and delay flights or anything. But uh, for this particular one, our, everything went smooth and we were out of here. No problem.
1: All right, so it's time to embark Carnival Celebration. It's on a Sunday. And uh, what what time boarding did you have? When did you arrive to the pier? And how was the embarkation process? We had a 10.30 to 11 time.
2: We got there pretty much right at 10.30. The check-in, everything going through security was all fine. Once we got inside the terminal, we waited maybe 20 minutes to board. And then we were on the ship. What were your first impressions of Celebration? Uh, wow. Um, you walk in, and uh, when we walked in right off to the right is that uh, central area, and I got to say, that that's a nice, impressive area, and what I liked about this ship is how that one side is all glass and when they have it open you can see the water and i feel like that's something some of the ships uh, like panorama and stuff were missing i kind of like that connection to be able to see outside a little bit more where those other ones there's no sunlight basically Mm -hmm. from anywhere in in something like the panorama even though we love that ship too it just i liked that openness of that area
1: It certainly makes a difference. So you go to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this seven-nighter, and how was it throughout the week? Uh, We had a standard...
2: Basic ocean view cabin. It was nice. Uh, Of course, everything is beautiful on the ship. I mean, we were on like the 11th sailing. So everything was nice, new, fresh. Uh, My wife's birthday technically wasn't then, uh, but we had it decorated for her birthday because we never seemed to get to go on right on her birthday. And so that was already done when we got in there. The cabin stewards had written on the mirror for her. So it was exciting for her to walk in and have this room all decorated for her. And other than that, you know, we got three closets for storage. We had plenty of storage. One benefit I like about this ship compared to the others where my wife did is the hair dryer
1: isn't attached to the (laughs) drawer. You can actually take it out and use it. What floor was your ocean view on? And did you notice any kind of noise in there throughout the week? Uh, No, we were on... Fifth floor, if I remember right. And uh, we had no issues
2: at all as far as noise goes. Um, we have in the past where we stayed, you know, like the one of the very last cabins on one of the ships, you could hear the clanging of the when we were docking and stuff. But this one, I, you know, I got to say, even people up and down the hall, I just never really heard much of anything.
1: Let's talk about dining on this seven night cruise. Now, one thing that Celebration does have, and I'll give them this among a lot of things, is that. There's a lot of free food options on here. So let's go up to the top at Deck 16 and start in the Lido Deck Marketplace area. And we'll work out from there because this ship set up a little bit different than the other ones. So how was your dining experience in the buffet area? That was fine. I like the way they had the different sections. I I think if anybody's been on some of these ships where everybody
2: has to line up because it's basically almost seems like one line where this had so many different stations, you never felt like you were... Waiting to get anything, so it smooth, it was uh, it flowed really well. It was nice. The food, of course, is always really good, and um, the only complaint we had on that was the soda machine's not working um, for part of the cruise. But other than that, everything was well and for some
1: reason i even think the ice cream was better on this ship i don't know if it's any different or not for some reason it seemed better it seems like the more that these lines try to automate things the more i guess snafus they're having which comes with the territory i know but like carnival rolled out the automated beer machine what back in 2016 or 17 and there's still a sign on it that says the frog's out to lunch or whatever. You know, something cutesy where you can't do it. But same thing with Pepsi as well.
2: Yeah. And uh, they had told us that there was an IT problem. And the people, they were really nice. They would always say, "Well, we'll go get, you you know, we'll run and get you a soda or something and and things like that. But yeah, you wanted to be able to just walk up there when you wanted to and scan your card and get a drink. And and yeah, a lot of people were getting frustrated about it as you stood there person after person would, you know, attempt to get a drink and, and uh, just get frustrated and, and stuff so i don't know what they can do to remedy that but uh it would be nice if you can get your own sodas right there in the lido
1: it's almost worth the cost of getting the drink package because i watched someone next to me i was on the sailing after years and i watched someone put their card up and it was just a a sign and sale card it wasn't the soda package or anything and it was like two dollars and eighty cents to fill her cup up with Pepsi, so it, like, isn't the bu- the bubbles package or whatever they call it non alcoholic package like six or eight dollars a day? I think it's gone up a little, so I want to say it might have been eight ninety nine a but day. Still, but even yeah. so,
2: at three dollars, you know, by the time you have had three sodas, you're you're, you're even. And, and we don't drink a lot. We have maybe a drink or maybe two a day. Mm-hmm. So we usually just pay for those and get a soda package so we have that yeah. available for the rest of the trip.
1: Yeah, I hear you. So let's talk about uh, some of the food options outside of Lido Buffet. You have like the aft, you have some food back there and forward you have some. So give us some of those places you hit up. One of the first places we had to hit up and we had this huge discussion where we were going to go first (laughs)
2: because this was our first time getting Shaq's big chicken and we loved big chicken. The fries are a little weird, but the chicken itself, boy, we ate there I don't know how many times because it it was so good. And if that was on all the ships, to me, between Guy's and Shaq's Big Chicken, I'd be at those two places all the time.
1: It's certainly delicious. And for it being included in the price of your cruise, not a bad deal there. Now, of course, uh, forward of the Lido Buffet, you have those food stalls up there and Blue Iguana. And then, of course, one deck up, you have 17, which is Guy's Burger Joint. Uh, Any of those? Well, yeah, I've had quite a few Guys Burgers too, uh, and but yes, the Blue Iguana is another one of our
2: favorite places, which was the discussion where we go first because they kind of closed kind of early, uh, so we were going between the Blue Iguana and the Big Chicken, but Big Chicken won out since we had never had that uh, Blue Iguana. Yeah, that's uh, one of our favorites, and. Uh, the street eats, we didn't hit them as much. Um, seemed like, uh, for us anyway, the different, like on the one we got, were we're excited about the fry one, where they have these different fry options. But every time we went there, they didn't seem like something that appealed to us, and maybe that's just our taste. Uh, so we didn't have that as much, but those were... Yeah, they're right there on the Lido right with uh, Blue Iguana, so that's kind of a cool that you could just walk over there and get some fries with your Blue Iguana, because usually you don't – I guess you could go over to Guy's on most of the other ships and grab some fries or something to get you a little extra on the side for your tacos if you wanted. But we did that. And then, of course, Pig and Anchor is another place I always have to hit up uh, because it's only done on the sea days and things like that. So had to go get some, uh, some pork butt and uh, macaroni and cheese.
1: While we're talking about dining, I know it's uh, only offered on a sea day as well, but did you go to the Creation Salad up at the Serenity area?
2: No, and that was something we keep saying we're going to do here on every cruise, and we actually have never hit it. I think only one time we walked by and it open, and it looked so good, and we had just eaten or something, so we didn't do it then. But we always say we're going to, but we never do.
1: What time dining did you have, and what did you think of the experience? We never ate in the dining room wow, okay. on this trip. They um.
2: I don't know what happened, I swear, because we usually pick my time. And then right beforehand, it had said they had us at a late dining, and we don't like to eat that late. So we thought, well, we'll just see what happens. Uh, I tried to get it changed. They wouldn't change it. So we just never did. With all those options that we just kind of ate everywhere else throughout the whole trip, and we kept thinking we'd make it to the dining room, but it was just so late and we usually like to leave the late time open for shows and things like that.
1: Yeah. And and for context, since I was on the cruise after you, I will just say that there it's like any other ship. They have the two main dining rooms. Uh, one is basically anytime and one is set time, but with any time you have to actually check in. So you can't just show up. You have to check in and then the, uh, It'll alert you, saying your table's ready. It'll give you your table number. You walk in, show the hostess, and they bring you right to the table number. It's pretty easy. And then also in this one, uh, Cucina del Capitano is included as a main dining room, and so is Chabang. Did you eat any of those? The Capitano, we sure
2: did. We had that one one day. So that was kind of, I guess, our dining room experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. Any specialty like uh, emeralds or Rudy's, the steakhouse? no specialty but what i did find on this ship and i don't know if
2: this is available on very many ships but they actually had sandwiches at the uh, blue java mm-hmm. that you could get yeah. and i don't think i've ever seen that before so they do have some free
1: sandwiches at the uh, blue java yeah that's a good little addition there also the uh, to the other side of the sandwiches you have the grab and go throughout the day as well so like in the morning you have the yogurts and the milks and then throughout the day the caesar salads and all that
2: Yeah, I guess I never saw that, but uh, yeah, we did grab some sandwiches and they were pretty good.
1: All right, so we unpacked all the food. Let's talk about entertainment. How was your experience with the entertainment throughout the week? Because the entertainment is definitely different on this one as we're in most of the carnival ships. Everything's done in the main theater. This one's brought outward a little bit.
2: Yeah, in the central area there, they do a show. I can't remember. It's some type of circus themed show. I can't remember the exact name of it. Um, But, boy, that is a good production. Um, Usually a lot of the productions, the pre-recorded music and stuff like that, they're like, okay, I don't mind going to them and everything. Um, But this one, they had, I think it's probably some live musicians of the recorded track, but still they had some live musicians and this circus show with um, people doing acrobatic stuff, three stories above your head and everything. It was it was one of the best shows I've probably the best show I've ever seen on a carnival ship.
1: Magnificent Circus is that what it's called? There you go. Yes, that's so, what majestic. It's called. Yeah, something like that. How about yeah, any shows though in the or I guess really not shows but um, like games? Uh, what is it? Family Feud they have in the main theater there. Yeah, we did not see the
2: Family Feud or I think they even had the Deal or No Deal. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to either one of those, which we usually use "deal hit deal or deal or no deal sometimes. But uh, we did see and cannot miss Love and Marriage, because mm-hmm. that's always the best show. Um, and the comedians, we go to a lot of the comedians, and they were really good on this ship. They had some really first-class, funny, funny comedians on this ship. And I can't remember the name of the one, but he claims he was Carnival's first comedian and started on the original celebration
1: well with the celebration central which is the atrium essentially right there in the middle of the ship what did you think about the seating and the sight lines and all of that if you're down on the bottom it seemed good i don't know about up high we didn't really sit up there too often but it did look like that would be a little
2: harder to see everything going on and if you are going to go see the magnificent circus uh, get there plenty early because that really does fill up and there is only so much seating. And so they did have to turn a lot of people away. So we missed the first show and had to come back and we got there uh, almost like an hour early just to mm-hmm. hopefully get in there because it just is a very popular show and it fills up pretty
1: fast. When you saw the comedian, was it uh, actually in the punchliner comedy club or do they have the show? Because they were doing both on my sailing. Was it actually in the theater? Uh,
2: Yeah, they did both. Most of them were in the Punchliner, but they did uh, some, they actually did a couple shows where they like have both comedians do it together a little bit bigger and and have that in the theater.
1: Very good. So let's talk about the C Days on board as far as crowds and congestion. You had about uh, probably 6,100 people on this sailing. So how was it getting by? pretty good i mean you know the ship's big enough and there's so many different things
2: going on that i feel like the flow is pretty good you know i know everybody complains about chair hogs and i will say at one point we were trying to find a place to sit and we did have to circle the ship a couple times until we finally (laughs) got a place and it wasn't even by the pool but that's okay we don't we don't fuss too much so that part was maybe a little a little harder at times um but other than that, as far as any other venue you wanted to go to or do, I felt like we were able to move about. Um, we rolled Bolt the one day, and I don't know if it's because of their scheduling, but, you know, that wasn't really much of an issue to get in there when we scheduled it to get on or anything. So I really felt like you didn't feel like you were on this ship with that many people. You know, it just seemed like it was spread out enough that you felt like you were – had room to breathe and do what you wanted to do without ever having to change your plans just because it was so crowded.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Let's talk about the uh, casino because you have to actually walk through the casino uh, most of the time, uh, unless you go one certain way to get into the main theater. So uh, how was it as far as the smoke situation in and around it? I didn't notice much.
2: And he's a guy who smoked way, way back in my, to my... I was like 24. You would think I'd be super sensitive to it. I didn't notice it as much. I don't think it was too awful as far as it goes in there. I will say we did do a We were part of a Facebook group, and we did a slot poll the one day. So we were all standing in there, and the power went out for the whole ship. <laughs> so it got really quiet in the casino very fast. And uh, it was only off for about two minutes and came back on. But that was uh, an interesting two minutes there in the casino.
1: How does that work if you're if you have like if you're playing or you're mid mid spin or you have some money banked up and the the power goes out? Did you notice that? I ha- yeah, I have no idea because
2: we were waiting to do our slot pull, so we hadn't started yet. Mm. Um, it seems, I mean, in it, once those machines went off, the whole rebooting took a good I don't know five minutes before those machines would go through their cycle and and reboot back up. I didn't see anybody having to run around and reset credits for people or something. You know, it seemed like once they came back on, they must have been OK. But yeah, if you were right in the middle of the spin, I don't <laughs> I don't know how you would have felt about that. Yeah, that,
1: that would suck for sure. How does this how does a slot uh, uh, slot? What do you call it? A slot play slot tournament yeah, um, we've never
2: hosted one. We've hosted the Facebook page, but then somebody on our page who had hosted one before took the initiative to actually host it. So uh, they get to put their card in for hosting it, and so they're going to get all your all the points for playing and everything. But we each put in $20, and we had a machine that was um, $4 a play, so each person went up and spun their $20. And at the end, find out if you're plus or negative. And we actually came out, uh, I think we walked away with $23 instead of our 20. So we made three bucks. And But it's a lot of fun. Everybody gets together. Every time somebody wins a big one, everybody's clapping and cheering and, and stuff. So it's kind of just a fun get together. And you have to know, you, maybe you'll walk away without your money. But it's just kind of a fun thing that we've done with the Facebook groups.
1: So who decides what slot machine to go on? The
2: person hosting okay. basically chooses which machine. And they basically have usually said that ahead of time. Like they're going to do, a, I think we had a Wheel of Fortune Heck machine yeah. or something like that. So they had said that it'll we'll find a Wheel of Fortune machine and we'll do that one type of thing. That's
1: yeah, so all you have to tell me, I don't gamble, but Wheel of Fortune, I'm in. I, I love, I have won a considerable amount of money on the cruise lines credit I get for being platinum with Carnival. You get that $25 slot play and and I've won over my past two sailings over a grand just on their $25 slot play. So, you're probably not oh. liking me too much because I'm a uh, I'm actually walking away a winner. I don't keep reinvesting, <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's they both been on Wheel of Fortune, so I love those machines.
2: Wow, okay. Well, we'll play them more. We don't gamble that much either, but we do just a little bit sure. and yeah, we've haven't walked away with that much and and you did uh, inspire me because I remember seeing you won uh, a package of that money out of the claw machine mm-hmm. once. And so I've been
1: playing one of those every time and I still never got one of those bundles of $100 or whatever it was. I still can't believe I, I was able to pull a $500 <laughs> grab-off on a dollar investment and then walk away.
2: But, oh, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. and it's funny. And then my, my girlfriend was trying to recreated the whole cruise and couldn't i think she probably lost 500 trying to <laughs> just to win a uh, 500 block but it was all all good there so let's talk about the sea days or actually we just did that let's talk about the ports of call so you hit saint martin san juan and amber cove on this sailing and which one was first Amber Cove. All right, so what'd you do there? And that's basically uh, Carnival-developed Amber Cove back in 2015. They opened it in 16. So did you stay on campus there, we'll call it, or did you uh, venture out?
2: Uh, We ventured out. We have uh, been there before and just stayed there at the pool and things like that before. So this time we did uh, kind of a resort for a day um, pass, Mm -hmm. and that was okay. The only complaint we had was a it seemed like it was kind of oversold. The place had a million chairs on the beach, by their pools, everything, but there was not one to be had. So that was our only complaint. Other than that, the place was beautiful and the pools were great and and the ocean was nice and everything, and uh, transportation worked out fine. So everything else went smoothly,
1: but it was a little tough to try to find any place to sit down and relax when every single place was taken Resort for a day, is that something sold through the cruise line, or was that third party?
2: That one was through the uh, carnival.
1: Okay, gotcha. Very good. Then after the day at Amber Cove, you went to what, San Juan? San Juan, yes. And there, we had never been to San Juan before, and
2: we just walked. We just thought, we're just going to explore the city, and so we basically... Made a big circle around the entire city and just took in the sights and checked out the the wall and the main gate and and things like that and didn't do any excursions, just uh did a little shopping and walking around and and uh got our steps in for the day
1: very good and then the last but not least was saint martin How was that
2: Saint martin was a little crazy at first, We, my big thing is I had to go down to Maho Beach and see the planes come in. So mm-hmm. that was the first thing we do did, got a taxi, went down there, and it was a really, really windy day, so the water was coming up over the, the waves were just coming all the way up over the beach, all the way over the road, so there wasn't much area for people to go mm-hmm. uh, to watch the planes come in, but we hung out there for a little while just so I could get my fill of a few little planes coming in and stuff. Uh, then we headed back to Phillipsburg and the beach there, and got a couple of chairs and just hung out there the rest of the day on the beach and the ocean and and relaxed for a while.
1: So there was no massive ones coming in when y'all were there. I got
2: one fairly good one, but nothing too huge, and and none took off while we were there either. So I, I kind of wanted to get that jet blast on the takeoff, but I never got <laughs> yeah. to experience that. So
1: what do I think they call that? Uh, fence surfing which is uh, yeah. illegal to do there, but a lot of people do it. Or a lot of people also get their stuff blown into the ocean because they don't hold onto their stuff while the, um, their belongings. And I, When I was there, a, a guy was swimming, and he had his iPhone and his hat, and the, they both joined him in the water because of the jet blast. So you got to be careful there at sure. Maho Beach.
2: <laughs> that happened on the, when we were in Phillipsburg, we were rocking out on a pier mm-hmm. and just lucky I had my video going. Cause I got this great video of this lady's hat blowing off her head and it lands right at my foot, right at the edge of the pier. And I was able to grab it with my foot and save her hat for her. Nice. And it was just like a great
1: moment yeah, <laughs> that absolutely. I actually could capture on video. Usually you're like, dang it. I wish I would have caught that. But how was it as far as, uh, were there a lot of ships in port in St. Martin that day? Yeah, I can't remember how many, but I mean, it, one was um, an Oasis
2: class, mm-hmm. Royal Caribbean ship, Celebration, a big one, and a couple of Celebrity ships. So, okay. And I'm not sure how big those are, how much they hold, but I know those two alone with uh, Royal Caribbean and, and Carnival. So that was that's quite a few people right there.
1: Yeah. Very nice. You make your way back to Port Miami after two, what is it, two sea days or one sea day back? Good question. One. One. Okay. Because right. <laughs> the Western has two back, so I, I think it's flipped on the uh, on your sailing. So you make your way back to Port Miami. How was the debark? There was something that happened. I'm not
2: quite sure what happened, that they weren't letting us off right away. So, and we kind of had a earlier flight than usual. We usually don't book one so early, but our airline changed our flight for us. So we started getting a little nervous because we had to get to the airport, but, um, Yeah, everybody started coming down and and gathering around in the whole Centrum area and everything because uh, they are you know, even though you weren't supposed to, but people are wondering what the heck's going on here. So I don't know if they just had a little bit with customs, not clearing the ship or what was going on there. They never really explained what was going on, but we were probably uh, 50 minutes to an hour later getting off than we probably should have been. Were you sweating a little bit? Just a little bit. I knew the airport was close, so I wasn't as worried, but mm-hmm. um, my wife's the type for not there two hours early or late. So right. yeah, she, she was a little more concerned, but yeah, you begin to wonder, well, how long will this take? And then will everybody just rush off the ship and, and then will that cause some type of problem? You know, everybody trying to catch a cab or, or what out of there. So,
1: so with this being your first Excel class ship, um obviously there's a departure when you walk on board from other ships. Um did you find uh find it difficult to get your bearings straight did it take a little while or were you able to acclimate pretty fast? For some reason on this ship I felt like I I got it together right away. I've been on
2: somewhere by the last day I'm still making wrong turns. Uh, and this one I felt like somewhat better. The only thing I kept uh, not being able to remember the food being on so many different levels. I kept mm-hmm. forgetting what was on what floor, and that seemed like it took me forever to remember.
1: Yeah, I still to this day, and I, I think I have twenty uh, something days on that ship at, in Mardi Gras too. I, it's which ways forward, which ways back. I just have no clue which ways what, and I still just can't figure it out. So, but. That's a that's a, that's a me issue. So, any first time tips you have to offer someone sailing this? One, I don't think you're going to be able to do everything that's on the ship. There's mm-hmm.
2: just so much going on there. Take advantage of all that um, the food options. It just amazes me how many food food options are included on the ship. We had done uh, Royal for the first time in a long time last year, and the comparison about how much is included is that's it's unbelievable so uh take advantage of all that other stuff i'm not saying don't eat at a specialty restaurants or anything because those are good too but man it's this ship i mean we just never got hungry because we kept eating Mm -hmm. so many things i mean the deli i don't think it's called the deli on there but you know the deli with the sandwiches there and the pizza and everything we just never felt like it was quit eating
1: was the pizza place open every time you wanted to grab some yeah, except for when did it close? Does it close at four in the morning or three in the
2: morning or something like that? Yeah. Um, every On every uh, sailing, I get up at three in the morning and do a walk around on the ship mm-hmm. uh, just for fun, just to see what's going on. And I do think it was closed then. I can't remember what time they close at night, but it is for a few hours that they do close down. Not that I need a pizza at three in the morning <laughs> <Right>. either, but...
1: <laughs> well, it's there, right? It's, it's, you know...
2: What I would grab is ice cream, and yeah. that's not open at 3 a.m., <laughs> and that's kind of disappointing.
1: <laughs> One thing I didn't ask you during the interview, and uh, you didn't tell me if you did it or not, did you ride Bolt? Yes, we did ride Bolt.
2: It was a blast. The, um, I gotta say, I probably like the Skyride better, just because you can go at your own pace, and mm-hmm. you can look around and take in the sights a little bit. Uh, Bolt is pretty fast, it's a fun ride. And so I would, you know, I'd advise anybody to do it because it's just fun to be able to say you've ridden on a roller coaster on a ship right. and everything. But uh, it's pretty fast. And I kind of liked the view from up on the sky ride when we did that. Um, so yeah, that was a blast. My wife did it too. And she does not like things like that. And she had her eyes closed the entire time, but she still <laughs> rode it too.
1: <laughs> so you were driving then, or did y'all ride two different times? Yeah. No, we, we rode together, and, and I did not push the extra boost button. Oh, that's the best <laughs> part of it. Well, I don't know. If, if you want to stay married, probably not, I guess. but <laughs> That's right. That, I do <laughs> yeah. better. Um, well, in closing here, your final thoughts of Carnival Celebration? It is a great ship. We were trying to debate whether it was our favorite ship. It's hard sometimes to remove
2: some things about a ship, I think, to determine whether you like the ship. Like, uh, we love Panorama. And, and you know the cruise director can play a part in there too, and about making your your uh, whole experience fun. But this might actually be our favorite ship just for the ship. Um, and then we've got other experiences. Like Cookie was a cruise director we had once. We love Cookie Any ship. He's on again. I'd go on in a heartbeat. Um, but I think this is our favorite ship. This all the food options, so many things to do. The quality of that. Uh, shows that they were doing were just higher than the other ships they really put a lot into these shows I think I can't remember what other show was in the theater but Color My World I think that's a new one maybe just for this ship too I'm not 100% Mm -hmm. sure but they just seemed like they were a higher level show than the other carnival ships so this is going to be a fun experience for anybody who goes on uh, Mardi Gras or uh, Celebration. And Jubilee coming soon.
1: Yeah. We've been talking with Tim about his seven-night cruise on Carnival Celebration. Tim, as always, thank you so much, my friend. You bet. Thanks. All right,
0: Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, Give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.